Let me encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with you with me to Matthew chapter 6. And I'll turn with you there too. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to begin. We've been studying the Lord's Prayer, part of a series called Teach Us to Pray. And it has been a marvelous journey so far. Matthew chapter 6, I want to begin reading in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly." When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. And so in those opening verses, Jesus taught us about the things that were most influential, that most affected your prayer life. The first had to do with your motivation. Why are you praying? And... Some pray to be seen by men, but we should pray to be with our Father, and and that leads right into the second principle of location. In order to be alone with Him, I need to actually have a place where just me and Him. And communication was the other principle. They think they'll be heard for their many words, Jesus said. You can just be yourself and come and talk like you normally speak to someone when you pray. And And with that teaching, he sets the table for us to go into a pattern prayer, a model prayer, a template for how you and I are to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Truly, it is the disciples' prayer. It is the prayer that they need to be praying, the prayer that you and I need to be praying. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, we'll see that next week where it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus didn't have to talk about that part. He was a sinless perfect, precious Son of God. But this morning we're going to focus on verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. So back in verse 9 it says, in this manner therefore pray, our Father in heaven, literally our Father the one in the heavens. And that's your starting point point for prayer, that, that intimacy with the Father, recognizing Him that you are His child and that you can come to Him freely, openly, boldly as His child. And then the next three petitions we have looked at, and literally, they go this way. Your name, let it be sanctified, let it be made holy. And I was thinking this week, that's really a prayer for revival, a prayer that the whole world would know that his name is precious and holy and mighty, that the whole world would see him as he is. Your name, let it be holy. Your kingdom, let it come Your will, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in quick succession, those three all focus on requests that we're asking him to do that that encompass his person, his priority, his heart. And then in a very striking way, we come to verse 11, and it says, give us this day our daily bread. Everything changes. In our learning to pray, You know, if I was going to learn about different subjects, I'd go to somebody else. If I was learning about leadership in this world, and we might study Winston Churchill under pressure. If I was learning about how to play soccer, I might dig up 
the ancient Pele and learn from him about how to play soccer. If I wanted to learn about evangelism, I think I would go to Billy Graham and have him teach me practical aspects of evangelism. But if I want to learn how to pray, I need to go to Jesus. Because no one prayed like Jesus. No one, every human being ever prayed like Jesus. And the disciples saw this as the defining difference. They never asked him to teach them anything else. They said, Lord, teach us to pray in Luke 11. And, and, and so they're asking him because they saw him retreat frequently to be alone with the Father. And they saw the consequence of that. People's lives changed. A message that set people free. People who were healed. Demons that were cast out. Storms that were quieted. And so Jesus said, pray like this. And so when we come to this petition, give us this day our daily bread, we're talking about now praying for our needs, praying for ourselves. How do we do that? What are the, what are the ways we go about that? There was a woman who was taking her five-year-old boy to McDonald's. And on the way, there was an auto accident in the street, and there were several cars that were damaged. It looked like somebody might have been injured. And so the mother had been teaching her five-year-old to pray, and so she pointed to that and said, Son, we need to pray. So immediately he prayed, Lord, please make sure the driveway to McDonald's is not clogged up with those cars. Well, that was a selfish prayer, wasn't it? And we can let the Lord sort those things out, but he wants us to pray about things that we need. He wants us to pray for ourselves. He wants us to bring those things to him. And so in this passage of Scripture, I think there are four principles, lessons, if you will, that we need to learn about prayer. First, what is Jesus teaching me about praying for my needs? First, he cares for me and my needs. A basic fundamental truth. Do you ever feel like no one cares for you? What you think, what's happening to you, what you're experiencing? What you need to know is the overwhelming testimony of Scripture is that God cares for you intimately and intensely. Every aspect of who you are, everything that's happening to you, he cares for you. Jesus said to his followers, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13 and Deuteronomy 31, he said, I, am, I will never leave you or forsake you. In Psalm 27, David said, though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. The Lord will lift me up, it means. And so he has this awesome commitment to take care of of you and me. He knows about your needs as an individual. Remember back up in verse 6. It says, do not be like them for your father knows the things you need of before you ask him. Now bread, give us this day our daily bread. Bread was a part of every meal in that period of time. It was a staple. Still is. In many countries today, Bread is a staple item at every meal. In uh, some places it's tortillas, in other places it's pita bread. I mean, just different things. But bread is a vital part of every meal. And, and Jesus understood that. When he fed the 5,000 in John chapter 6, he, he asked the disciples, where are you going to go and buy bread for these people? And of course, you know, they, they didn't handle that too well. You know, Lord, all the money... Whatever. I mean, there's no way we could feed 5,000 people. And you know the miracle of the 5,000. But what Jesus was focusing on was the needs, the practical needs of the people who had come to hear him and to listen to his teaching. 
Here you had 5,000 people. Now, in that day and time, if you were going to eat on a given day, it's because you worked for the money to buy what you needed for that day. That's very different than what you and I do. We have, you know, we say we live from paycheck to paycheck. Some of us get a paycheck weekly, some once a month, one twice a month. Some of us are wondering where that next paycheck's going to come. And these people, every day was like that. Every day, a denarii was a one day's wage, and it was just enough to buy what you needed for that day's sustenance. And so here you had 5,000 people who had given up their jobs, given up their work, and they had come that day to hear him. So they didn't have the resources to eat, and Jesus performed this miracle and underscores for you and me forever how much he cares for our basic and our practical needs. So when he tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying pray about your practical needs, not your luxuries, not your, your wants, your extravagant things, but pray about your basic needs. As one preacher said, pray for your needs, not your greeds. In James chapter 4, verse 3 He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. They weren't praying about their needs. They were praying about stuff that they could have fun with, stuff that was exotic, stuff that was extravagant. Trust him for your needs. He promises to meet your needs. You say, well, I work. I I make money. I take care of my family that way. I don't need to pray and ask God for my basic needs each day. I don't need to trust him to take care of me. I take care of me. Who makes you healthy? Who gave you that job? Who made it possible for you to go each day and earn that income? It's God himself who takes care of all your needs, even those needs that you think you provide for yourself. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, And my God shall supply all all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Every need you have, whenever it's met, it is God himself who's providing for that need. No request is too small. There was a pastor in Tupelo, Mississippi, for years pastor to Parkway Baptist Church in Tupelo. His name was Lynn Sullivan. And in the mid-1980s, Lynn left Mississippi, went to Saskatchewan to start a church up in Canada. And he was a bivocational church planter or missionary starting a church. And they didn't have much. And when the winter came and business was down and the ground was frozen and everything was cold, they didn't have many dollars in the bank and things got really rough at one point. And he said, normally I would have just taken care of myself. In fact, he said, our usual reaction was to look for our own solution. This time, he writes, however, in a stroke of faith, I went before God and told him that we needed eggs, bread, and milk, and I would wait on him. That afternoon, a man came to my little fix-it shop with a leaky tea kettle. He said, I know it. I could get another, but it's my favorite kettle. Please fix it. He said it only took a few minutes to fix it. He said it was so easy. He said I didn't even charge him for the work. But in minutes, the job was done. He said the man pulled out a $10 bill and insisted that I take it It was enough to buy a gallon of milk, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of bread. Now, that was 1980s. I don't think it would today. 
The Lord cares about our needs, even the little ones. Every need matters to Him. He cares about, in great detail, the needs of your life. One of the reasons we struggle so when the great needs come and the great crises come with our prayer life is because we have not grown accustomed to bringing the little things to Him. So practically, how can you apply this to your prayer life? Here it is. Consciously release responsibility to meet your needs to your Father. As the song says, let it go. Please don't start singing it. Let the responsibility to meet your needs, let that go to the Father. Give that to Him. Some of you may need to do that right now. Just bow your head, close your eyes. Father, right now I consciously give responsibility to meet my needs, not to myself, but I give that to you and hand it over to Him. So what's Jesus teaching me about praying for my needs? First, that He cares about me and my needs. But there's something else. Secondly, He made me to live my life one day at a time. He made me to live my life one day at a time. He says, this day, our daily bread. He doesn't mention the day once. He mentions it twice, and that is always significant in Scripture when he repeats. This day, our daily. This day, our daily. You know what he's saying to you and me? He's saying that every day matters. Every day counts. In Psalm 90, verse 12, he, the psalmist says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know what it is to number your days. It's to separate them out, not just with a number, but realize that every day is special. Every day is a gift from God. In Psalm 139, verse 16, he says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. What was written? The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. So if I understand this correctly, when I was being formed in my mother's womb, and you were being formed in your mother's womb, there were a set number of days established for your life. You can't subtract from those da- that, that number of days. You can't add to that number of days. You have a set number of days. You say, well, that's kind of depressing, Pastor. No, it's not. He says, all those days were written in his book. But notice what it says in Psalm 139. He says, all the days fashioned for me. You know what that means? It means every day that you live, every day that you experience, was a day that God has made with you in mind. Every detail, every encounter, every meeting, every conversation, everything that happens to you, God has fashioned that day, and he has made that day with you in mind. No day is wasted. No day is a filler day. No day is a day for just killing time. Now, you know what the greatest obstacle is to living your life one day at a time? You know what keeps you from doing that? Fear. Worry keeps you from living one day at a time. You get so focused on the next day or the next week or the next month and what's happening or what's not happening that you lose something that God has for you today. And what you and I need to do is learn to refuse to fear the future. A few verses after this teaching in Matthew 6, in verse 34, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. 
What are we supposed to do then? If I've got worries, anxieties, and fears, what do I do with those? Peter says do this, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So it's not that you just ignore your worries and fears, but you do something with your worries and fears. You take those worries and fears, and you throw them on Jesus. You give them away. You give those things to him. You see, he doesn't want you to be so preoccupied with what's going to happen that you miss what's happening right now, that you miss what's, what today is about. So daily provision, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread is God's way of helping us focus on one day at a time. We see this also in the Old Testament. If you look at the people he delivered out of Egypt, he brought them out into the wilderness, and they grew hungry. And what did God provide for them every day? What fell from heaven? Manna. In Exodus 16, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So every day, except the Sabbath, but every other day, six days a week, bread fell from the heaven. And they gathered what they needed for that day. Now, if they tried to get greedy and gather too much for that day, what happened to the rest of it, the excess? It spoiled, didn't it? It was nasty. grew worms. Go back and read it. It was not something you want to eat. So you could only get what you could consume for that day. The exception was the Sabbath. And they didn't go out and gather on the Sabbath. They were supposed to rest on the Sabbath. And so what God did was provided an extra amount, and they could gather an extra amount for that current day and the Sabbath day. And God knows what you need. He knows what you need in a day. He knows what you're going to need tomorrow. And he's providing for you so that those needs can be met. But he wants us to focus one day at a time. So practically, this means that you and I need to take our entire day and lay it out before him have you ever done that i want to encourage you to if you haven't if you're a busy person you have all kinds of appointments things that you do i think one of the most spiritual things you can do is take your day timer your iphone or your ipad or whatever you use to keep up your to-do list on your marker board mike whatever you got you take that that list before the lord and say lord i've got this happening today father i i pray that you would help me at uh, 8.30, I'm meeting with Mr. So-and-so. God, would you grant me favor in that meeting? Would you help prepare my heart so that I can minister to that person? Father, we have a business meeting at 10 o'clock in our business. And we've got to make some decisions, Lord. And so here are the decisions that are before us. Would you give us guidance? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give me whatever I need to contribute to that meeting? Oh, God, would you give us our daily bread? And so your whole day becomes something that you pray over because you don't know what you're going to need. But he does, and you can go to him and ask him to help you with that. A friend of mine named Ben was a leader in his church. And he's uh, a precious, godly man, had sweet family, was diagnosed some 15 years ago with a brain tumor that ultimately took his life, and now Ben is with Jesus. And Ben was a good friend. Ben was the kind of friend that every time we got together, we didn't see each other 
that often, but whenever we would get together, Ben was always going to ask me the same question. And it's what good friends should ask each other. Uh, whenever I got with Ben, he would always ask this question. He would say, Don, how's your heart? He'd always ask me that. Don, how's your heart? And he'd always draw out of me where I was in my walk with God. And we would talk about that. The last time I saw Ben in his hospital room before he died, it's what he said to me. He said, Don, you know, since I got this diagnosis, what really matters has changed a lot. I'm a lot more focused on today, just today, not next week or next month or next year, and my family and the people I come in contact with. This is the way, this is what struck me, this is the way I should have been living all along. You see, it's when our days truly are numbered that we begin to live with the kind of wisdom for each day that he always wants us to live each day. And so we should approach each day with that kind of posture. Lord, what do you have for me today? And seek him for that. So practically, how can you apply this to your prayer life? Here it is. Live more in the now and leave the future in his hands. That doesn't mean you can't buy life insurance. That doesn't mean you can't plan for retirement. But don't let the future so preoccupy today that you don't live today. Use, live more in the now and leave the future in his hands. So what is Jesus teaching us? He's teaching us that he cares about our needs, even the little things, everything matters. He's also showing us to live our lives one day at a time. But there's a third lesson in this verse. Here it is. He uses my needs as a daily reminder to depend on him. To depend on him. He says, give us. You don't go to someone and say, give something unless they possess what you need. And you're depending on them to give it. Give us. Are you the kind of person who hates to ask for help? This happened in the last service too. A couple of your heads whipped around, looked at somebody. You know who you are. So does everybody else. Are you the kind of person who hates to ask for help? You know why you don't want to ask for help. It's not true of everybody, but it's true of a lot of us. The reason you don't like to ask for help is because asking is an act of admitting need. That you don't have the resources in yourself to take care of something. And you're admitting your need to someone else when you ask for help. In James chapter 4, verse 2, he says that's one of the reasons you and I don't pray. He says you do not have because you do not ask. You won't admit that you need something. You won't admit that you need God to step in and help you. And as a consequence of that, you don't see things happen that you'd like to see happen in your prayer life. Abraham Lincoln once said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. You ever prayed like that? Oswald Chambers writes, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Here's the truth about the needs you have in your life right now. Every need that you have has the same purpose. Now, there may be multiple purposes for your needs. When he allows suffering to come into our lives, a lot of times he's doing all kinds of stuff, building character and that kind of thing. But every need you have right now 
has the same purpose. There's one single common purpose, and here it is. It's to draw you to him. Every need you have is to bring you to the Father. You can think of any need. Your little needs are designed to carry you to him. Your big needs are designed to carry you to him. In the Old Testament, we referred to the people in the wilderness and their need for manna. You, you remember what happened when they got hungry. They complained. But, but here's the thing I want you to think about. They got hungry. God delivered them out of Egypt, no problem. God took them through the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh's armies, no problem. They got out in the wilderness, they got hungry. And the God who could defeat the mightiest army on the earth let them get hungry. They had a need. Now why did God do that? In Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, we get the answer. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. You see that? You think God doesn't use your needs? That God doesn't have a purpose for your needs. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so he was, he was using that need so they would learn something, ultimately coming to him for life. That real life begins not by something I eat physically, but real life comes when I draw life from him and from his word. If you'll remember that every need is a call for you to go to him, you're never going to have a problem sustaining your prayer life. Because everybody here has a need, right? Anybody here have everything they need? Everybody has a need. Our problem is we don't go to him with every need. And when we do, Listen, he's already taught us this. We looked at this back in late December. When, when he does, when we do have a need and we go to him, listen, we've got to keep going until he answers that prayer. Don't quit praying about something until God has told you what he's going to do, until God answers that prayer in some form. Some years ago, a woman lost an expensive diamond uh, brooch at an opera house. And she knew where she was sitting, and so she called the opera house. She got a guy on the phone. She said, I've lost a very valuable, very precious piece of jewelry, and I was seated in such and such seat. Would you, would you see if you can find it for me? And the man said, okay, and he, he puts her on hold. He goes and goes into the massive auditorium, goes to where her seat was, and he looks all over, looks all around, and he actually finds the piece of jewelry, and he's kind of excited. And so he goes back all the way back to the office, and he picks up the phone, and he says, ma'am, I found it, I found it. And no one was there. She had quit waiting. She hung up the phone. And he didn't know her name. He didn't have her phone number. This was before the days where we captured numbers on our screens. He didn't have that. And so they actually put an ad in the paper, lost and found. They found this thing. And the woman never showed up, never claimed it. Why? Because she didn't wait. She didn't stay there with her need until the answer came. And how many of us have not received answers? Because we haven't waited. And we haven't stayed and brought that need. Letting the purpose for which God intended it to keep bringing us back to the Father again and again and again. Uh, we actually have a pair of crutches at our house from various injuries and recoveries for different things. And you know, you know what crutches are for, don't you? Crutches are for people that need assistance. 
they, uh, they can't, they're not mobile by themselves. And so they need a crutch in order to stand, in order to get around. And you know what, what your needs are? They're reminders that you can't get by by yourself. You can't get along without him. You are needy, and you are not complete apart from him. God did not make you to be fully satisfied and to have all your needs met apart from him. And so how do we practically apply this to our prayer time? Here it is. Let every need challenge your independence and carry you to a deeper dependence on him. Every need challenging our independence and carrying us to a deeper dependence. So what's Jesus teaching me? He's teaching me he cares about everything that I need. To live each day, one day at a time, to depend on him fully. Let my needs remind me to go to him. And then finally, number four, the final lesson in this verse is this. He calls me to be more attentive to what he is doing than getting my material needs met. You said, well, Don, I thought you said he cared about our material needs. He does. They said, well, how do you know that he, he wants you to be more attentive to what he's doing than getting my material needs met? Well, go back and read the prayer. What does he start with? What are the first things we're supposed to pray about? Your name, let it be made holy. Your kingdom, let it come. Your will, let it be done. And so our focus is to be first and foremost on his agenda, his plans, his purposes in the world for you and for me. In, um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, again, just a few verses past the verses we're studying, he says this, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Basic necessities. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It is too easy for you and me as human beings to get lost in the details of daily life. He has a mission. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl needs to know about Jesus. And that's his greater mission. And you and I, sometimes we get so preoccupied, we're pushing that grocery cart through the store. Oh God, how am I going to make this? How am I going to make ends meet? We're writing checks, paying bills. Oh God, how am I going to take care of this? And, and we worry and we have anxiety and we get bogged down in the details and we should be responsible and we should keep a budget and we should do those things. But listen, God has a greater purpose and plan for you and sometimes we miss the moments in this day that God has for you, those divine appointments, those opportunities with people that don't know Jesus, to be gracious to them, to pray for them, to smile at them, to invite them to come to fellowship with you because we get bogged down in the details. And he has a greater mission at work. Are you listening? Are you paying attention to the king's priorities each day? Or are you getting bogged down in the details? The fact is our father is a king and he is at work in the lives of people all around us. And that should affect how we pray about each day. There are no accidents or chance meetings. You know, I used to drive Little Rock every day I used to pray, God, grant me favor with everybody I work with. God, grant me favor with everybody I'm going to see. Lord, let me be a vehicle 
for whatever you want to accomplish in somebody's life. I used to pray that. I still pray that. I, I don't have that far to drive. <laughs> you know, two minutes. I got to do it quickly. Oh, God, grant me favor with the people I'm going to see today. Grant me favor with the people that I work with. Father, what are you doing in this conversation? Lord, how do you want me to respond to this person? What do you want me to do in this situation? What do you want me to do and be today? Concerned with his larger agenda, not getting buried in the details. A week ago last Saturday, Steve Hayner, a name you probably aren't familiar with, died from pancreatic cancer. Steve Hayner. Stephen was president of Columbia Theological Seminary in Georgia. He was a past president of the InterVarsity Fellowship, had served in the evangelical world for many years with distinction. He loved the Lord Jesus with all his heart. Right out of college, he became the university pastor at the University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. He was deeply involved with students and faculties. He started a meeting with just 17 students that quickly grew to over 1,200 students. Right as he started his ministry in the early 70s, he had a heart to tell people about Jesus. Last year, Hayner was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Not long after that, he wrote in his blog in July of last year, he wrote these words, many are praying for one of God's big miracles. We are as well, but it is not how God answers prayer that determines our response to God. God is committed to my ultimate healing. But being cured of my cancer may or may not be a part of that healing work. More important is God's overall presence with us, sustaining us for whatever might be God's call on my life today. Did you hear that? My call might be to learn something new about rest today. Today my call might be to encourage another person in some very tangible way. Today, my call might be to learn something new about patience, endurance, and the identification with those who suffer. Today, my call might be to mull through a new insight about God's truth or His character. Everything shifts when our days are numbered. And the truth is, our days have always been numbered. Last October, he was interviewed by a good friend for Christianity Today magazine. And in that interview, he said these words last October. When we talk about calling, every day is full. <laughs> every day in the middle of our circumstances, we have the opportunity and the challenge to figure out what our calling that day is in relationship to the circumstances. Now I need to look at my life in shorter pieces. I can't look at it in pieces much more than a day long. The question is not what are my plans. The question is how am I going to be faithful whatever the circumstances today. On January 1st, he made his final entry on the Caring Bridge website. If you're familiar with Caring Bridge, it's a site people use as they go through a very difficult illness to kind of record their journey and their status. And on the last post on January 1st, Steve explained that he was releasing his oncology team that had been treating him for the last eight months. Uh, there was nothing more they could do. There were some alternative treatments he he said it would only extend his life a month or two, and so he just he shut down, and he had turned his attention to a new hospice team that he said was taking really, really good care of him. Here's the final words he penned on CaringBridge just about a month ago. I remain committed to the conviction that every day still contains both a call from God 
and a journey which I need to learn. Today, I'm just relaxing in the gratitude of having such good care. Today, I'm not afraid, though some fears will undoubtedly sneak up on me as I get sicker. Today, I'm trying to be attentive to what is happening to me without feeling like I have to be responsible for everything. Today, I am living once again into joy. Into joy today. Steve Hayner, like many of us, learned the worth of a day when we realize that we don't have many left. And the truth is, our days were always numbered. And that's not to be dark, because when our days are finished, those of us that know Jesus, we're going to be with him. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's where Steve is now. He's with Jesus. That's where my friend Ben is now. He's with Jesus. Okay? But while you and I are on this side of heaven, every day <laughs> matters. Every day is precious. Every day has been fashioned and designed by him. Every day counts. And so practically, how can I apply this to my prayer life? Here it is. Focus on receiving and living out everything he wants to do today. Everything he wants to do today. Focus on that. What is his purpose? What is your plan, Lord? What are you doing in your kingdom? How can I pray for your kingdom to come in my life today? You know, prayer is so precious to Jesus Christ that one of the great reasons he died on the cross was so that you could come to the Father. Sin is the great obstacle, the great separator between you and a holy God. He is our Father, but He is holy, and He is just, and He does not wink at sin or just look the other way. Every sin has to be punished, every sin before a just God has to be dealt with. And because you were so precious to Him, He sent Jesus Christ ultimately to die on a cross for your sin, taking all of your sins on Himself, the sinless, perfect Son of God taking all your sins on himself, past sins, present sins, future sins, all of your sins on himself, and God punished Jesus Christ for your sins. He took your place as if he had done those things. And to prove that sins could be forgiven, he was raised from the dead. And he did that so your sins could be forgiven, yes. He did that so that you could receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ is a gift. Everything you need to please God, you already have in Jesus Christ. He did that. But let me tell you the great reason why he did it. The greatest reason Jesus died on the cross is so that you could come to the Father. So you could be in relationship to the Father. One of my favorite verses, I, I think they covered it Thursday morning, I had to miss, is Acts 3.19 where Peter's preaching away and he says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. Not just so you can go to heaven, but so that you can encounter and experience the presence of a living God. And so this morning, if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins, to wash your sins clean, and to open up a way so that you can come to your Heavenly Father, I want to invite you to do that. When we stand and sing in just a moment, there'll be pastors standing at the end of each aisle. We receive salvation, we receive forgiveness as a gift, not as something that we earn, but we receive it as a gift from God.
And so this morning, if you want to receive that gift, let me ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes for just a moment. A prayer for salvation would go something like this. And you can pray this from your own heart. Father, we are, I thank you, Lord, that you have sent Jesus Christ for me. And I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I'm ashamed to think of all that I've done that's been offensive to you. But I realize, Father, this morning that you sent Jesus to rescue me, that he died for me, that he's done everything necessary for me to be forgiven and to come to you. So right now, Father, I trust you with all my heart. I ask you to save me, and I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. For the rest of my life, Lord, I, I yield to you. I give you the reins, the control, the director, direction of my life. I want you to guide me, to lead me, to be my Lord. Thank you for hearing my cry. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, in Romans 13, the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if that's your heart cry, I want to invite you to make that public. Don't hide it. One of the best ways to begin your walk with him is to make it public what you have done. And so if you've asked Christ to save you, you've put your trust in him, I want to invite you to come in just a moment when we stand and sing. Share it with these guys. If you have questions still, They'll share answers with you from God's Word. You can read it for yourself. And you can read how God saves a person and changes their life. Christian, God is calling you to bring your needs to Him over and over and over and over again. Every day, the focus on this day, not tomorrow, not a week from now. And when you and I learn to live that way, everything's going to change. The whole world's going to change for us. This church will change. We in Arkansas will change. The state of Arkansas will change. When you and I learn to live one day at a time, taking our needs to him. As God has spoken to you, if you need to pray, if you're carrying a burden and you need to unload it, these guys will pray with you. You can come pray at the altar for yourself or someone else or simply pray right there. But we want to be known increasingly as a very safe place where you can come and someone will pray for you. Let's stand together. Respond to him as he's led us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price you Don't worry about what anyone else will think or say. It doesn't matter. pray with you. This church will pray with you. If that's your need, come.
Praise the Lord. your eyes and just take a moment to go to the Lord right where you are and turn to him in your heart and your mind I don't know about you but I know I've got needs and it's the father's heart to hear your prayer about those needs would you just take some time right now what are the needs in your life and bring those up in your mind and your heart and talk to the Lord about them Pray over them. Right where you are, he hears you. He cares. No need is too small. What is it that you need God to do in your life? How do you need him to work? What about the rest of this day? What are you going to do after the service? Talk to him about that. be around other people opportunity to minister encourage what are the needs in your family what are the needs at home at work the people in your life that need Jesus today. Father, thank you for the prayers that are going up all over this auditorium. As we recognize in a fresh way that we are just children who desperately need a father to take care of us. And so we pray, Lord, you'd enable us not to worry about tomorrow, but like a child to be so consumed with today that we don't miss one minute, one second of it. 
we are as carefree and joyful as a child. No matter what our needs are. Because of you, Father. Knowing that you've got this. That you're going to take care of us. Father, as we give our offering now, we want it to be an act of worship. Receive our gifts, Lord. May you be pleased. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.